The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of MedPEP or Physician Health Services. The advice given to Marie Curious has been individualized and may not apply to the listener. While Marie Curious is a real person describing both real and hypothetical events and situations, she is using a pseudonym for this series. I'd like to welcome our listening audience back to MedPEP for this, the last session of our first season. I'm Dr. Les Schwab, your host. I'm a practicing physician, experienced medical leader, and professional coach. And in that capacity, I help medical professionals navigate through the very challenging world of medical practice today, one of unimaginable complexity and great duress. In each session of MedPEP, we've been talking with a series of guest experts, each of whom possesses some insight, some tools, and some tips for helping physicians deal with the widespread problems of practice today. And my companion in this journey has been Dr. Marie Curious. Marie is a young internist here in Massachusetts who, at this point in her career, has indeed encountered its complexity and stress, but she's determined not only to survive, but to thrive in spite of the challenges medical practice presents to her. So Marie and I have had a long series of discussions. We've talked to 16 different people, and this is actually our 20th session of talking together about the problem of being a medical practitioner in these times. So I wanna welcome her again to our conversation. It's good to see you, Marie. You too, Les. It's truly bittersweet to be here at our last session. Indeed, I have certainly enjoyed this. I've enjoyed being with you and exploring all these topics with you. Same, I, I really couldn't have done it without you. And not to make this into a personal ode to Les Schwab, but um, <laughs> uh, I've really felt like you've been my guide. So thank you. Well, I've also felt like you have been a really able companion that we've sent so many different kinds of material your way in these discussions and you have absorbed it, understood it, integrated it to the extent possible in your everyday practice. I think you really have made the most of it. Thank you, Les. So let me quickly summarize some of the things that we have done. We began with a series of things that were mostly centered on best personal practices, things like good personal lifestyle practices, including mm -hmm nutrition, mindfulness practices, sleep, exercise, things like that. We talked about managing your energy over the day. And then we had an inflection. We realized that besides talking in general about personal practices, it was important to also talk about the context in which you find yourself, in the role you have with your patients, with your colleagues, in your organization, and also over the long arc of your career. So we began to enlarge, which we'd begun a little in the first set, talking about difficult conversations, but began to enlarge talking about topics including the team sport, including modeling and best behavior. We talked about conflict management, peer support when patient events go poorly. We talked about removing barriers and frustrations in working life. We talked about the demonstration of empathy, leading with emotional intelligence, listening very carefully to our patients. We'd also talked about some reframing of the problem by embracing powerlessness to find one's true agency. And we talked about ways in which 
the system itself might be changed by advocacy. And we also looked to the long term, to looking what you might do over time eventually to enrich and diversify your career. So we covered a lot of ground. We have certainly covered a lot of ground, Les, and I've been thinking about what has been particularly impactful for me, what little changes that I've been able to make, and then thinking about the long term. How do we take what we've learned through this series forward so that I can be on the other end where you are, a seasoned physician with a long, successful career, and you're the better for it. You still look like you're intact and happy. <laughs> so th that's my goal. Well, so far so good, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, it hasn't been without its periods of struggle sure. and learning to use some of these same tools and insights that we've heard from our guests. So. I wonder, is anything particularly impactful as you look over that long set of things we discussed, anything that really stood out for you? I feel like this has really been a journey for me. If I may take two steps back. Certainly. You know, how we got started on this to begin with, what prompted me to join this project, a personal mentor of mine and a colleague who worked in the same clinic as I did, he was a mid-career physician and he popped by weekly sort of to just check in on how I'm doing, how I'm adjusting to outpatient practice. And he really mentored me. And so I was really shocked when a year into my job, he announced to our clinic that he's leaving our practice after probably more than a decade. And the reason was, was because he was burned out and he said as much. That really shook me less. And um, when this opportunity came about to participate in MedPEP, I thought, my goodness, I need to shore up uh, my resources, figure out how to survive this for the long term and thrive because I, I want to do this for the long haul. And that really prompted me to pursue this with an open mind. So the initial first set of discussions were really helpful. They were about looking inward at the self. And it was good to think about self-care, self-compassion, self-improvement, and the ideas about mindfulness and the arousal level really impacted me. And even now, though I, I have dropped off on going outside even for five minutes, but we are in the depths of winter, so you can't really blame me for that. But every day I try to eat lunch and I'm sitting at my desk, but I try to spend at least five to 10 minutes not looking at the medical record system. So instead, I'm browsing headlines, I'm looking at pictures of my kids, whatever it may be, while I'm eating my lunch. And I, I think that helps dial down the arousal level, except actually nowadays reading the headlines is very unsettling. <laughs> so I, maybe I should just stick with looking at pictures of my kids. <laughs> Good idea that uh, <laughs> the world will offer you enough stress. So yes, some, some curating of your input for things that really relax you is a good idea. And then thinking about reaching that inflection point that you mentioned, I think as we were going through this series, I realized that I could only achieve so much with self-care, with these best practices for myself because in fact, burnout or feeling depersonalization, lack of joy in the practice of medicine, that 
really felt like it was coming from external pressures, things that were completely out of my control. And in fact, I had a huge dip in my optimism, I would say, with how to approach my career. This may not be new to the listeners because it may have come out, but I definitely had moments where I thought, gosh, can I continue this career? Were it not for the medical school loans, <laughs> could I switch and not practice anymore? I really thought long and hard about that in these preceding months. Well, we certainly heard that from you, and I'm glad we offered you a place to articulate that because I am sure you are not alone mm. and a very legitimate concern to surface and one that I think physicians from time to time all deal with. The, the career is demanding, the circumstances can be intolerable. So it's a fair question to put out there. And so in our series, we then explored more looking outward. How do we deal with conflict management? How do we make our practice environment better? And you know, I, I did a few experiments and that's still a work in progress. I have to say, I haven't been entirely successful, but this last group of speakers have really helped me perhaps see the light at the end of the tunnel, specifically thinking about how to spice up my everyday practice in thinking about working as a physician, not just as a job, but as a career. And so in continuation of previous conversations we've had with guests, I actually have looped back as a way to report back to you, Les. I've looped back with one of our administrators about possibly getting more training with contraception placement, for example, and offer that to my patients. I've also tried to explore a little bit more what does it look like to be able to visit patients at home? That was another suggestion by one of our speakers about home visits. And this just came to me, Les, and I, I wanna run it by you. Sure. It would be purely for social reasons. I'm thinking about some of my more elderly patients, people who are maybe lonely. I would love to visit them at home. Um, I was thinking that I'd love to bring my daughter. Is that okay, first of all? But second, the reason that I would wanna do that is because I want to start to teach her what it means to be a physician. And that's not just the daily grind of pulling out my stethoscope, seeing patients in and out, in and out every 15, 20 minutes, but it's about caring about the individual and about that person in their life and trying to make it better. Well, first of all, let me note that that's quite a change from giving up on the profession. And perhaps at one point, I think you said you would not counsel your children to become physicians. That's right, that's right. To thinking there might actually be something in it for them of value and that you wanted to show that to them. So that that is an optimistic stance. And I think to bring another person into the realm mm. of your patient relationship, you need consent. Yes, absolutely. And I think properly granted, it's fine. Your daughter will need to be counseled to hold her role up, yes. she's young, <laughs> you know. but I, I think it's fine. And I certainly have brought young learners, high school students who want to see medicine, uh, we bring college and medical students in, we do this. So I think it's in the general domain of, of familiarizing people with the wonder of what medicine can be. Go try it. 
I think part of our training as physicians at least taught me that there needs to be a doctor-patient relationship. And this is a defined role and there are certain boundaries you don't cross. But the reality of it is that as a primary care doctor, which is what I do, you are involved in people's lives because it's all the other things of their life, their social circumstances, finance, family issues, job, et cetera, et cetera, that dictate how they're caring for themselves and for their medical conditions. And so we talk about these things in clinic. Some patients more than others ask about my life and they want a sense of getting to know me too and that this is truly a relationship and not just a one-way advice dispensing machine. So I have only one one caution yeah. to say that I think the degree of sharing that one brings to the table is of course common and sometimes necessary. But the important thing to keep in mind is what is the patient's interest in enlarging the conversation beyond just you as technical doctor, but you as person, you with family. Mm. So if it's in the patient's interest mm -hmm. as your patient to allow your daughter to participate, meaning that the patient thinks this is a value that he or she understands and is willing to give to the situation, it's okay. Right. But it, it has to align with the patient's own interest in, in the encounter. When, and one other caution is that your daughter certainly needs to know that these are confidential and that she can talk to you about it, but that it's really not. She's the youngest HIPAA compliant act, <laughs> actor on the scene, but it, I, would, it would apply to her too. Fair lesson. Okay. And, and so, you know what, now that I rethink it, maybe I should bring my non-speaking child. <laughs> <laughs> who is just past one, so. Um, and he struggles to say mom and car, so there you go. Well, but I th I I'm glad that I'm thinking about it. Well, it's well thought through, and at some point, you know, again, for me, the important thing is that you think there's something of value here, and yeah. you want to show it to somebody you value more than anyone else. That's right. So that's a fantastic thing. It's actual application down the road in terms of bringing her in. I'll leave to you to figure out. Okay. Other things I've been thinking about too is adjusting my clinical hours, advocating for myself a little bit more, potentially working with medical students, and then thinking more largely, how do we as individual doctors impact the system? And this feels like the most David and Goliath relationship of all, that it, it seems hard to overcome. It's this huge barrier. And I, for much of the podcast series, I've been thinking, I'm just one of hundreds, if not thousands of frontline PCPs. I'm a cog in the wheel. I'm a cog in the machine of this organization. What can I really do? But I've learned a lot even if broadly and not maybe not so much in depth during this series that I'd like to share with other physicians in my organization. Well, that's great. I think certainly the theme of you're trying to find some empowerment and to rise above the sense of being just a cog with no degrees of freedom in the process has really emerged and sometimes very forcefully. I mean, I think Along the way, we've really heard you assert the rightness of your conviction mm. to challenge the circumstances you find yourself in. 
And of course, the enormous challenge thereafter is to find the proper agency to do something. That's right. And we've thrown a lot of tools and suggestions at you and whatever you are able to pick up and feel actually takes the cause a little further than just receiving it here. Sounds like a great thing to do. I think one very practical thing that I've learned, and this is just life skills, you know, growing up, so to speak, and maturing, not just as a professional, but as an individual. One phrase comes back to mind that one of our speakers talked about, which is the hijack of the amygdala. Yes. And not letting emotions overpower you to rein in impulses. And that's just good for life, you know? <laughs> and I want to apply those things not just with my colleagues or with my superiors. I think that it's going to serve us well in life. Yeah, I think in, among our offerings have been a lot of good life hacks yeah. that uh, <laughs> right. that they may be particularized to the profession, but they can find really good general use. I also want to say in that we have really turned the fire hose of solutions your way, and that we had originally thought maybe we do a more coaching approach, you know, that we each week give you something to try, but it became clear early on that these multiple solutions, sometimes more than one in a given session, it was going to be impossible. This was the equivalent of sending you to every specialist in the hospital <laughs> <laughs> and they coming back at you with prescriptions. And right. of course, it's impossible to apply. But I think learning what's a value, selecting them out and giving them a try. But to focus on the essential few rather than thinking they all need to be covered. Right. They're all in your repertoire now. They can be pulled out at some point. But the things that will benefit you the most as you work through your days and months ahead, give them a try. So that's what I was really thinking about, Les, is coming to this last session, it crossed my mind, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? Because I'm not gonna see Les next week, or the week after, or the week after. And who's gonna, check in on how I'm doing, um, who's going to keep me accountable, and it scared me. Yeah, that this has been very binding and bonding, and we're both going to let go, and I too feel like, well, where am I going to take this particular piece of my life, let alone continue in some fashion with you? But let me throw the question back at you. What are you going to do? When you think about supporting yourself after this, what comes to mind? I think I might put your phone number on speed dial. I'm teasing. <laughs> I won't because I, you I don't know you. <laughs> but in all honesty, thinking about putting into practice some of the things you've taught me along the way, I think midway through our series, you really challenged me to find an accountability partner in my own practice, in my everyday life. And I have thought about who that might be. And I... I am very serious about putting that into practice because I don't want everything that I've learned to just fall to the wayside. All of these things need to be reminders in my life in terms of what we learned, and I want it to become habit. So that will take somebody else to keep me accountable. And maybe checking in with you once in a while, 
And maybe as much as I loathe to hear my own voice, listening back to some of our <laughs> podcasts, <laughs> you know, I can pick and choose uh-huh. um, when I need a, a special reminder. Well, I think those are all good ideas. And yes, you may put me on speed dial. Yes, I'm happy to help foster a career because I think you have a bright and potentially happy career in front of you, happy to aid in facilitating any way I can. But I think we should also make a definite plan. It's not going to be sometime. After the broadcast, you and I will find a time to talk again. That would be lovely, Les. Okay. And I think one speaker talked about with our colleagues, with our work environment, as stressful as it is, when we work under the assumption that everyone wants what's best for the patient, you know, and ultimately for each other. If that's the common ground, then we can overcome any difficulty and any conflict. And I'm trying to really hold on to that optimism moving forward in my own career. Very, very good. I think sticking to fundamental values, you know, always holding them up as the compass point to which you're directing always works. Less. um, I wanted to say thank you because in this entire series, I felt like you cared about me as Marie, as a human being, as a physician, as a mother, as a young person in, in my early career. And I really appreciate that. I think it came through week after week that it wasn't just a part of this project, but you personally cared about me. And I think that sort of connection is what each of us physicians aim to do with every single patient. And I strive to carry that forward. Well, I also think you recognize me as a person and not just part of the ensemble (laughs) (laughs) who we've produced here. And I feel like the connection has been very, very genuine and from where I sit, I am really touched and delighted to have made this contact. And I also had one other kind of offering to make, other than sticking to fundamental values works, which is to live up to the promise of your last name. Be curious. No matter what happens, however mm. positive, however stressful, there's always something to learn from it. And one of the great gifts of medicine to me has been the endless opportunity to be curious about a million different things. And the opening into life and all its mysteries and the way it's lived in countless different ways, that comes to us. And you can pick up any number of threads and follow and find mystery and satisfaction and instrumentality and even fun. So go for it. So Lesson, thinking about some of the ways I can spice up my own career, yeah. I've talked about some of the interventions I'm thinking about making. For you, having thrived, I would say, in your 30 plus years of your career, yes? Maybe. Yeah, or in the 40th. 40th. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are you going from here? Good question. So I am far from retiring for Good one. to hear. Yes, I feel like I am buoyed and sustained by what I do, which is even in three different buckets right now. I 
I have my own primary care practice half time. I work for a hospice and have my own coaching practice. And I like all of it. It's just getting to be too much. And I see that the time for editing it into the most essential is arriving. And over time, I really will need to cone it down because there are yet other things to do in life, mm. my family life, my personal pursuits that I do want to make some more time for as well. So do physicians ever really retire? <laughs> yes, they do. And it can be really difficult ah. because there are few occupations if one learns to tolerate or even love it, mm. where one is so richly rewarded with stimulation, social connection, mystery, curiosity, and to be needed. And to mm -hmm. draw the curtain on all that, mm -hmm. it's very hard to find a good replacement. Mm. And therefore I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, other people are able to do it and find other things, although I caution all my patients who retire, think about everything that binds you affirmatively to your occupation today. How are you going to find the substitute for those things in your life after retirement? So I think it's necessary as we age to remember we're still whole and still vibrant, right. health willing, and to, to find new ways to express ourselves and plug into life. So. The, the challenge never ends. Fortunately, there are ways for me to apply my experience in the coaching work I do, because it's in some ways the uh, culmination of That's right. how to catalyze people's well-being. Well stated. Um, okay. And I see that even now in all of our conversations, it's gleaning those life experiences tips from you, you've been able to crystallize it into real applicability for physicians. Certainly. I think that makes a lot of sense, Les, that a culmination of a career for you now leading to coaching so that you can help other physicians derive the same amount of joy and curiosity and life from this very profession. It's such a gift. And I, I am fortunate to have learned how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, it's just an enjoyable process for me. In some ways, there's the direct utility for the client, much as there is being a physician for the patient, yeah. and in ways perhaps analogous to my managerial career. Mm -hmm. Empowering a physician to feel good and capable in their job will in turn be good for their patients and good for their organization. So in some ways, it's a kind of one step removed clinical and managerial kind of work as well. I've got a much more to think about, Les, <laughs> now that you say that, because first, I mean, as probably all physicians do, I love giving unsolicited advice uh -huh. <laughs> um, and, and thinking about how life-giving that is to empower other people to live their best life. Isn't that what we do as physicians? Yes. And so you're doing that for not just patients, but other colleagues and physicians, and hence bettering the entire system. It's, it's a good role for me at this point, and I'll leave the hurly-burly of clinical care and management to younger physicians like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
who are well-trained and energetic and in a good position to do it. Thank you, Les. And you're welcome, Marie. If you have a question or a comment about today's program, email us at feedback at medpep.org or simply visit us at medpep.org. And now, here's a few words from MedPep's founder, Steve Edelman. This is Dr. Steve Edelman, creator of MedPep, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program, and director of PHS, Physician Health Services, a charitable subsidiary of the Massachusetts Medical Society. Our mission is to promote the well-being of health professionals. Many thanks to our seeker, Dr. Marie Curious, to our guide, Dr. Les Schwab, and to our wonderful group of guest experts. Hats off to project leader, Dr. J. Dev Dasgupta, audio producer, Douglas Stevens, guitardiologist, Dr. Susie Brown, and to the staff and board of PHS. Please visit and connect with us at medpep.org for CME info, faculty bios, and additional empowerment resources.